Hello, everybody. Welcome to Health Hackers, episode 26. I'm Gemma Evans, a journalist and presenter here in the UK. And this is my series devoted to getting inside the minds of pioneering figures in health and wellness. My guest today, standing by ready to talk to us in California, is psychologist Dr. Joan Rosenberg, a consultant with more than 35 years experience helping clients and clinicians to achieve emotional mastery that includes boosted self-esteem and rock-solid confidence. She's the author of 90 Seconds to a Life You Love, a book described as sharing the latest neuroscience-based approach to building confidence. And Dr. Joan is with us for the next half an hour to tell us how her 90-second technique, nicknamed the Rosenberg Reset, could help us all become more confident and resilient. Dr. Joan, thank you for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I've been intrigued reading the new book, and I want this interview to be as useful as possible to everybody watching. So to begin with, would you walk us through this 90-second technique that you've developed that we can use to try and transform difficult feelings into confidence and resilience, and as your book says, pursue whatever we want in life? Sure, absolutely. I'd be happy to. Uh, the and the, the colleague kind of affectionately named the the uh, the approach, the method, if you will, the Rosenberg reset. So it wasn't something that I did. It's but the the idea behind it is that it's think of it as a formula, and the formula is one choice, eight feelings, ninety seconds. And the the one choice is a choice of awareness as opposed to avoidance. So it's awareness of unpleasant feelings as opposed to avoidance of unpleasant feelings or awareness of unpleasant thoughts as opposed to avoidance of them. And, and the awareness takes us down a pathway, in my mind, to, to that rock-solid confidence. The avoidance is, is going, going to lead over time eventually, I believe, if somebody just stays down the path of distraction and disconnection to what I call soulful depression. But let's go to the confidence side instead. The so that the so that the one so the choice is awareness and the and the goal is to be as aware of and in touch with as much of your moment to moment experience as you can bear. So that's awareness. The second is eight feelings, and the eight feelings. Uh, what I noticed over time is that is is that there were roughly six to eight feelings, and I, I landed on eight in, in you know years over a number of years that that were the kinds of feelings that are the, they were the most common feeling outcomes of things not turning out the way people want. So the, that's the reason I chose them. And I left other feelings out for a, a variety of reasons, which we can get to if you're interested, but, but the eight feelings for everybody to, to work with it are, and the, and the key is to notice I'm not calling them bad, nor am I calling them negative. They're useful for us. So so again, the key here is that they're unpleasant or uncomfortable, and they are sadness, shame, helplessness, anger, vulnerability, embarrassment, disappointment, and frustration. So those are the eight, and, and the idea then is somebody's, somebody's goal is to experience and move through or handle these eight unpleasant feelings. And that happens within the 90 seconds. Well, that's so that so then so that, yes, let me let me do the, the tie into the 90 seconds. Yes. So so I again, I wrestled over years. It's like what what makes it so difficult for for most of us to tolerate unpleasant feelings? And and again, it's like trying to solve a mystery. And 
and as all the neuroscience discoveries came about, one of the discoveries or one of the descriptions is that that most of us come to know how what we're feeling emotionally through bodily sensation. So if we try to cut off from bodily sensation, then it's going to make it make it more difficult for us to actually know what we're what we're feeling emotionally. So that was one big kind of discovery. And then the the thing that kind of pulled it all together was what, uh, and it's not my 90 seconds, so I'm synthesizing material here. Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor talked about and wrote about in her book, uh, My Stroke of Insight, that when a feeling fires off kind of from the brain, uh, that, that there's a rush of biochemicals into the bloodstream. Again, that, that rush of biochemicals activates bodily sensations. So those are the bodily sensations we're talking about. And the bodily, those bodily sensations, we, then we come to know what we're feeling, again, by those bodily sensations. And the biochemicals flush out of the bloodstream in roughly 90 seconds. So go ahead. So if, if we take an example... And then perhaps you can tell us how we would apply it practically. There was a gentleman in your book and he was one of the case studies you cited and he had been struggling to introduce himself to new people, particularly people who he admired, which I can imagine is very difficult if he wants to network for work purposes. So say that you are somebody who who fears that, who, who felt like, this uh, person in your book. He's afraid of introducing himself to new people and he finds himself in a room, he's at a party or some sort of gathering. How would he apply the Rosenberg reset? Well, first of all, the notion is that that the first thing would be to say, all right, I I dread this experience. And actually that's the last story in the book too. Um, Somebody who was was, went to a networking kind of situation. And so it's like, okay, what's difficult for me here? What, what feelings do I have the hardest time with? Oh, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to feel vulnerable. I don't want to feel like I could get hurt. Uh, I want to belong. Or so, so, so I would think of embarrassment as vulnerability as maybe the, uh, going into that situation. Those are my tender spots, right? So the first part would be to be aware of what it is that you're, uh, you're concerned about or you're hesitant about feeling acknowledge it again stay present to it that's the awareness piece acknowledge which feelings are difficult for you in that situation and then when you go into that situation choose into it take initiative and instead of hanging back and waiting like you might typically go for it which is the what i talked about in both stories actually and and it's ansel was the first one i think liana was the the second one and and be aware that those moments that you might feel embarrassed by taking the initiative are only going to last roughly up to 90 seconds. And each time you meet somebody, so maybe it's another 90 seconds and maybe it's another 90 seconds after that. But what you'll find, and again, what this is what most people say is like, I can do 90 seconds. It's like, that's, that's like no big deal. And the truth of the matter is your embarrassment in a situation like that is not going to even last up to 90 seconds. It's shorter than that. I think the only caveat I need to put around the, the whole 90 seconds thing is when it comes to talking about trauma, it's a, it's a different deal. So that the book, the, I'm not focused on uh, uh, what happens with, with trauma when I'm talking about this whole 90 seconds thing. 
That's interesting. Yeah, well, one of my questions was going to be, is this uh, a technique that you can use from being in a supermarket and somebody's rude to you right the way through to something far more traumatic? So thank you. I would say... I would say yes, uh, um, yes, absolutely. So in any situation, so anytime something's evoked in us or elicited in us that feels uncomfortable, then the, it, just to understand that we can stay present to it and, and it's going to subside. It's like, and it's like I, what I talked about in, in the book as well, it, it is the idea that you just ride the bodily sensation like you're riding, you're, you're out in the ocean someplace and you're riding waves. So it's, it's just riding the waves of the bodily sensations. Now, during the riding the waves, so say we're with that gentleman back at that party. Yes. And he's feeling, so he's made his decision, the one choice he's made, uh, the awareness, not the avoidance. He's going right. yep. to think about his feelings and he's thinking to himself, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty embarrassed right now because what if this goes wrong and I introduce myself and this person thinks I'm an idiot? And, and is his 90 seconds... The, the 90 seconds before he goes and approaches, is that the wave that he should bear? Or, or is his 90 seconds of worst emotion going to be when he's begun that conversation with a stranger? I would say both, because the story about Liana is that she actually walked herself mentally through it before she went to the event. And by the time she got to the event, she realized she was okay. So that she actually handled herself differently at the event because she practiced it mentally. And, and the, but if you just go and do it and you go, Oh boy, that was a silly thing for me to say, or, or I'm so embarrassed about it. It's like, okay, just stay with it. Just ride the waves of it. It's not going to last that long. It's when we keep on, it's when we keep on repeating something in our mind and we, we, it's like, we, I, I have this memory and I, and then I repeat and I repeat the memory again and then I repeat it again. And then we're going to elicit or evoke an approximate firing similar firing it's not the exact same firing as the first time so that's why that's one of the reasons it feels like feelings linger is because we keep on repeating memories so the the, the and the, the key that i really want to emphasize here too is that is that what i realized is that it's not that it's not that we don't want to feel unpleasant feelings we don't want to feel the bodily sensations that help us know what we're feeling emotionally and if we can understand that little the alt, you know, alteration, if you will, that little, that little change, then, then that's really the key. It's like, all you need to do is to tolerate your bodily sensations to be able to stay more present to the feeling itself. Bodily sensations like churning stomach, fast heart. Yeah, right. Red face, heat, you know, the, we go with embarrassment because it's so easy. Our face or our neck gets flushed, right? We feel, we feel hot. Somebody else might see us as red. It's like, it's just tolerating the intensity of that till, it's, till it subsides. And that's and true for all these. And when you're being fully present in that negative feeling, what's going on? Uh, no, un, un, unpleasant feeling. Unpleasant, not negative. Not negative. Unpleasant. We don't, we don't, we don't say negative. Un, unpleasant. Un, unpleasant. When you're being fully present in that unpleasant feeling. You got it. What's going, what should you be saying to yourself in your head? Like, should you just be telling yourself over and over, it's just 90 seconds, it's just 90 seconds? Well, I, I, can, well, I can tell you, I was, I was uh, talking with a client yesterday and, and he was in an argument with his girlfriend. And his comment to me was, 
and and she was she was really belligerent, being belligerent and angry to him, and and pretty inappropriate, and and mean, and and he wasn't. He said, "I'm not. I'm not going to do this in kind. I'm not, I I didn't want to respond like she was responding." So in his head, he's just trying to stay calm, and his head he's going, "It's ninety seconds. It's ninety seconds. It's ninety seconds." If that's all someone thinks, great. But you don't even have to do that. Just be aware that you're feeling what you're feeling. Notice what you're uh, notice what you're noticing. Notice what you're thinking about. Notice where you're feeling it. No, notice, just notice what's happening. It's like it's like, I, I, and it's going to be different for every person. That that my my bias is and my belief is too. When we're able to stay present to these feelings, what ends up happening is that we start to gain insights after. So so it's like. The an insight like with with I think Ansel is the the guy that you mentioned that started this network. What he realized is like, oh wait a minute, I'm more well received than I thought. I can do this, and I want to initiate with more people. So that's what he did, and he ended up making business deals with these people because he was willing to take the initiative. So so it, when you are open and stay present to the feeling, and the insights come, it, you might you might come up with that, uh, that you need to make a certain kind of decision or that you want to express yourself a certain way or that you need to take a certain kind of action. So it's like, if you don't do that, you never get access or it'll might take longer to get access to those awarenesses. What if it does go wrong? So what if Ansel had gone up to somebody and then, Oh, he said something and then they reacted badly. And then, Oh, I mean, would he just have to keep going again? Do it again. Do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It. Yes. So, so to your point, if you if you read uh, my chapter on speaking, because this is this is in the book, mm-hmm. um, one of the one of the most probably, I, I try to pay attention to when I'm learning things as well, and one of the one of the most important insights I felt like I I had along this process, of, and and I I think speaking is so crucial to to developing that confidence. In fact, I think it is singularly the most important thing that people can learn how to do is to speak up, again, well-intentioned, positive, kind, and well-intentioned, even when angry, but but that that it's singularly the most important thing that that we do to to grow ourselves. And and what so so let's say Ansel's in that situation, he goes up, it turns out kind of messy or he's embarrassed or whatever the guy didn't want to talk to him or whoever he went up to didn't want to talk to him. Then he has to, in his mind, he has to go, okay, one trial learning. That was one situation. I, if I want something, I'm going to learn. I have to develop the skill just like, like I learned how to swim. So he goes at it again and maybe that doesn't work out so well. And then he goes at it again. So the, the key is that you persist. You don't give up after one trial and, and that it's understanding that the most important aspect of speaking up and going after things is that it grows us. We evolve as human beings because we, we actually engage in the conversation. So, so with, with speaking up, it's the getting what we want from speaking up is the, is the benefit in my mind. It's not the goal. The goal of speaking is to grow ourselves. That's fascinating because, again, one of my questions was going to be what's 
wrong or what are the disadvantages of being somebody who thinks, you know what, I don't want to be confident. I'm happy just to go through life, letting other people speak for me. And I, I don't like to make a fuss. I, I'd like to sit back. So, you know, I was going to say, what's the problem with that? But I guess people like that, unfortunately, won't be able to grow as much as those who push themselves to be confident. And, and they will never pursue the things that they want to pursue. It's, it's, a, it's an unrealized life. It's, it's a, right. So it's, yeah, go ahead. There's one of the quotes in your book that I have here. Yeah. Yeah. It says confidence develops when you have the deep sense that you can handle the emotional outcome of whatever you pursue. That sounds like amazing power, like to be able to, to think I can handle whatever happens and it must, it must take work. And how long do you think it would be? If somebody used the Rosenberg reset regularly, how long do you think it could be before they reach that state of mind? What I will tell you is that the moment you shift over from avoiding unpleasant feelings to allowing yourself to be in touch with them, your experience of yourself changes. So that changes almost immediately because now you're living as a more whole person. And, and, and so I think that when the self gets disconnected, and I hope this makes sense and, and just stop me if it doesn't, uh, when the self disconnects from the self, that leads to anxiety and depression and a whole, a whole other bunch of feelings or reactions. So when the self is connected to itself, meaning we're aware of it in touch with what's going on, then we feel more whole. That wholeness leads to an inner peace and a contented, more of a contented feeling or contentment. The, and and it's a, it, that's the base of confidence in my mind. So if, if you think about the eight feelings that I chose, again, they're the most common reactions to things not turning out the way we want. So if I see myself as being able to handle that, now I feel more capable in life. That's the starting point. But it doesn't stop there. Someone has to speak up too. So if you're not accustomed to speaking up, understand speaking up is not a speaking problem. It's a feeling problem. I don't want to feel the unpleasant feelings if my conversation doesn't turn out so well. Even because I might have to deal with conflict. And so it's, it's an unpleasant feeling problem. Difficulty speaking up is an unpleasant feeling problem. It is not a speaking problem. So, so how quickly, as quickly as somebody starts to engage in these things, people will start to feel different. Will it take practice? Yeah. But it, it, you'd be amazed at the changes people experience simply because they're refocusing their life. And I, there's, I mean, I've, I've made story after stories to tell. So just well, tell, tell us about some of those successes. Well, I mean, it's, you know, I, yeah. I think of, I mean, I, I've taught graduate school for a number of years. And, and I teach this model, this approach to my graduate students. And I know full well that as soon as they start to, to and, and I'm teaching them how to do psychotherapy. And, and I know full well that I'm teaching for the purpose of them using it with the clients they're going to see, except invariably they're applying it to themselves. And so I, it's like uh, one student, many students, not just one, 
many students have had bad breakups in their life and, and basically going, I'm not going to allow myself to get in another relationship again. And, and so, but they're dealing with this material. So now they have to deal with their unpleasant feelings. Oh, I don't want to be vulnerable. Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to have to be sad and disappointed again. I don't want to have to deal with angry, anger and conflict. Oh, but I don't want to be vulnerable. And then they start to work with the material and keep on, and the more they work with it, it's like, oh, I, I think I'm ready. I think I'm gonna. So I've had, I mean, there's one student that, um, that recently got engaged, but she started out a few years ago from a place of I bad breakup and I'm not going back to this. So it's, it, 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 once you start to work with the material and you, and you really stay present to the, and really it's just these eight feelings. Uh, then, then you, it's like, it, they're life changing. I noticed that um, anxiety and depression are not part of the feelings. Is that because you don't see them as unpleasant feelings? Anxiety, I think, is a cover for unpleasant feelings. And, and, and I talk about a number of different ways to look at it in the book. Uh, but the, I, anxiety is way too broad for me. And, and, and mostly I see it as a cover for unpleasant feelings. So, so uh, again, uh, this is just a taste of what's in the book, but, that, but think, of it, think of anxiety as unexperienced and unexpressed feeling. Mm-hmm. So again, I, and I provide stories in the book about that too, where, where two students, for instance, that I, that I was teaching, <coughs> excuse me, it described themselves as, as really anxious. And, and so I let that sit for a while and then eventually addressed that with them and said, would you be, you know, are you up for taking a different look at this? And they said, yes. So my comment was, if I took all the words for anxiety away from you, what would you really be feeling? Well, one said scared, the other said apprehensive. I said, you can't use either one of those. Eventually, and, and it was more accurate, <coughs> excuse me, they, one said sad, the other said anger. And as soon as they allow themselves to be in touch with the sadness and the anger, then the, what, the, what they described as anxiety went away. So sometimes we don't want to feel the feeling. So again, we, we describe being anxious. And, and I also think speaking up is an important part of, of reducing anxiety, what people call anxiety. So unexperienced and unexpressed feeling. Yeah, in the book, uh, the parts about being your authentic self were really yes. interesting. And I wonder, why, um, why is it so important to be your authentic self, to be the real you? Well, same thing. I think we, we go around living life apprehensively if we don't. And, and when you allow yourself to be more truly you, you feel more comfortable in your own skin. You feel more content. You feel happier. You have greater access to joy. All the positive things happen. Your relationships deepen. Uh, I mean, the, the, the upside to being more authentic is, uh, it's like that's, I mean, that's, that's where we probably have the greatest access to all the positive feelings, frankly. It's, so if we don't deal with the unpleasant ones, then we don't have the, as much access to the pleasant ones. You think some of us are afraid of being our authentic self because someone might not like it and, and we care so much about what other people think of us. 
Well, uh, uh, you're just walking into all sorts of things for me on this one. Um, the, when we get so concerned about other people, what other people think of us, I think of that as a distraction from feeling vulnerable. So it's a thought distraction from feeling vulnerable. So it's not, it's not really about what they think of us. It's about what we think they think of us, first of all. So just a little, a little switch on that. And, and then the, the key is it's really about vulnerability. So anytime you catch yourself wondering what someone else is thinking about you, turn it around and go, oh, I'm feeling vulnerable. I can ride the waves of being vulnerable. I can tolerate the outcome, the feeling outcome of putting myself in situations that before I thought were hard. And, and so um, it's, it, I bring that right back to the eight feelings. Is there ever a time yes. when blocking or avoiding uncomfortable emotions, unpleasant emotions is a good idea? And I ask because I think last year I was reading a book about managing <clears throat> obsessive compulsive disorder. And one of the steps in this wider technique uh, was, to, was telling people to refocus on something else. So do you think there are times when distraction can be psychological beneficial? I think it. <clears throat> I think it can be. Um, I, again, when somebody's looping over and over and over on the same thoughts that are are painful and difficult, then I would I would say moving away from that would be important. But uh, and and I again, if you think about obsessive compulsive disorder, it's a dist- uh, many times it's a distraction from unpleasant feeling. And so the the reason somebody's engaged in in the uh, in the obsession is to get away from what's uncomfortable for them to bear. Uh, so I'll just focus on this other thing as opposed to focus really on my feelings. So um, I, again, the short answer is yes. I think it can be beneficial in certain situations. By and large, my again, I'm going to encourage people to try to stay as present as they can to, uh, to the unpleasant feelings. And, and, and I earlier mentioned the caveat around trauma. I think there's other kinds of interventions and other kinds of things that need to be addressed with trauma, but that's not what. Would you give us an example of the kind of trauma that we wouldn't apply the 90 second Rosenberg reset technique? Well, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not that the reset can't be applied. It's understanding that, that when we're terrified, the brain imprints those memories. And and, I mean, the, the, you have this activation of, of cortisol, and and the and what how the brain holds memory is a little bit different. So so it's not. I I'm never going to be one to suggest that this is the the end all be all and that it's going to fix everything. It's not. Um, and and I want to be mindful that where there are tragic and traumatic or terrifying circumstances, life or death death circumstances, then then uh, then there's going to be a different. Uh, going to be important to pay attention to a variety of ways to respond to that kind of to those kinds of experiences we are nearly up on time but i really want to know um as a psychologist with over over three decades of clinical practice experience you've trained other psychologists psychotherapists you've got so much expertise what do you think is the biggest most common mistake that you see people making most often when it comes to their emotional health? Uh, probably I'd say they move away from their unpleasant feelings. 
they avoid, they avoid, they stay in avoidance rather than in awareness. And, and so the single most important thing they can start with is to choose into awareness and to be present to what's going on for them. Uh, the, and, and understand that, that sometimes that takes time to kind of build that up as a skill. And the same is true for uh, speaking to that because speaking up would follow from that. So, so backing, backing away, uh, backing away from feeling and backing away from speaking up. Dr. Joan, thank you for enlightening us with your insights. This is fascinating. There's so much more in the book. Can you remind us the, the release date, the publishing date? The February 7th is the release yeah. date in the UK. And uh, February 12th is the release date in the US. And it's called 90 Seconds to a Life You Love. And Dr. Joan, where can people find you online or on social media? Uh, thanks for asking. All over. Uh, DrJoanRosenberg.com. Uh, and is one place if if there's an interest in in pre-ordering uh, because depending on when this gets uh, aired, uh, there's they can go to 90secondsbook.com and then I'm on social media on Instagram. Just uh, Dr. John Rosenberg is is the way it shows up on most things. Uh, and there's a Facebook group on, called Life You Love uh, if people want to go there. So Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Super. Viewers and listeners, if you like this episode of Health Hackers, I would love it if you subscribed on YouTube and iTunes. And I always love hearing your feedback. So keep in touch. Thank you. And I'll see you next time for more Health Hackers. Bye-bye.